This message is entitled, The Birthright and the Blessing, the Story of Jacob and Esau, and we're so glad you're listening in with us. You know, in the world today, there are some who have an appetite for heaven and some for earth. Uh, But our question really is, are we willing to struggle for the blessings of God? Are we willing to struggle for the things that we have an appetite of heaven, of the things that are not of the earth, but struggling for the blessings of God? And every Christian uh, in the world today is granted some special rights in Christ. But there are times we have to fight the fight of faith to receive God's blessing. So there are some things we get as a Christian because we're saved, but there are some things God places in our lives to see if we will have an appetite for the things of heaven, to see if we will struggle for something greater than what we can see. And today we're going to look at a dysfunctional family in Scripture, uh, and maybe even perhaps in the mirror, and discover if we have really what it takes to receive our birthright and our blessing in Christ. But let's talk about what that means today. Let me give you the background. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 19 through 34, there's a guy by the name of Isaac, and he is the son of Abraham. And Isaac has married Rebekah uh, at 40 years old, and the problem is that Rebekah was barren. And so Isaac had begun to intercede for his wife, and Rebekah, no doubt, as well. And finally, it's 20 years later, maybe your story is similar, maybe you've, uh, someone listening online today has had a, a problem uh, having children, and you can kind of identify with uh, the struggle that they had to go through. And so these people, they're, they're people of faith. And so they sought the Lord. Isaac was known to meditate in the fields, uh, thinking about God. So 20 years now, they're finally 60 years old, and they have, uh, they're pregnant. But here's a problem. At, uh, Isaac's 60 years old. Rebecca is pregnant, and now she's got this rough pregnancy. There's been complications. And so they're struggling within her, her womb, and so she goes and she asks the Lord, and the Lord says to her, Rebecca, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, and the oldest shall serve the younger. So God gives her this great prophecy about you're having twins, but there's something going on bigger than what you can see. Uh, there's something that I'm going to do through your children. So Rebecca remembers this prophecy, and finally she gives birth to two twin boys. Now the first boy that comes out, uh, he was red and hairy. And so they name him Esau, and Esau in the Hebrew sounds like the word for hairy, and so he comes out. And then the second child comes out, and, and as he comes out, he grabs hold of Esau's heel. And so they call him Jacob, which in the Hebrew sounds like heel, and it means surplanter. And so you got these two boys. They're really, there is hairy and heel. And you can kind of think of, uh, rethink of the story in a different way just by thinking instead of saying Jacob and Esau. Maybe you've heard this story multiple times. But we're going to talk about the boys hairy and heel today. And so the scripture says in Genesis chapter 25, verse 27, that when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man, living in tents. And now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now that's a good note just right there for uh, kids today. Uh, Kids, if you want a way to your dad's heart, man, go get him some steak, some deer meat here in the south in Louisiana. Uh, we love deer meat. So that's a great way to dad's heart. But that's how Esau won his daddy's, uh, you know, had, had his daddy wrapped around his little finger. And then now Jacob, he, uh, he was a guy who loved the tents and being with mom and cooking with mom and studying and, and being around the estate and shepherding uh, the sheep, no doubt. And so the way to mom's heart, kids, is, hey, clean the house. 
So you got a, a mama's boy and a daddy's boy right here, and they develop, and the parents egg this on a little bit. They begin to love these children differently. But let me talk to you about the birthright. So we're going to talk about three things, the, the birthright, the brothers, and the blessing. The birthright, the brothers, and the blessing. What is that birthright? Uh, in ancient times, there was this thing called a birthright, and it's this special privilege uh, in a legal right of the firstborn, the eldest son. And it meant he would inherit this double portion of the entire estate. So in this case, Esau, he would get two-thirds of the estate. And it also meant that he would take on the leadership and the priesthood of the family or the tribe. So we have this great thing that you're going to do. It's more of a legal thing. It's more of a, a, a property rights, and that's called the birthright. It's what would allow, uh, in this case, the prophecy of Abraham, that they would uh, be a family who inherited the land, and that oldest son would be the one who held the largest estate of that promised land that was given by God to Abraham, part of this great covenant that their grandfather Abraham had received. So it's a pretty, pretty awesome deal. Um, but only God himself or the father of the family, in this case Isaac, or the son himself, Esau, uh, in this case, could transfer the birthright. And you'll see this through Scripture. Sometimes birthrights are exchanged. That's kind of the legal definition of it. But for this family, it is really all about God's promise to Abraham and the covenant that he made to Abraham that they would acquire the Canaan land, have descendants as numerous as the stars, and that the Messiah would come through their family line. And that was the great prophecy, but the birthright is the legal part of keeping the, the property in the family and also being the priest of the family, so the priest and the property. That's the birthright. So let's talk about these brothers for a second. So we've got the birthright, but let me tell you the story that goes on about these brothers. As they grew up, hairy and heel, Scripture tells us that Esau was that hairy hunter, and he liked to be away from home. But Jacob, on the other hand, he's this smooth-skinned shepherd that stays at home. Esau becomes a man of the world. Jacob becomes a family man. Esau was a man without a plan, going off the cuff, and Jacob was cunning and clever. So you couldn't find two more opposite twins that there were. And Jacob stays single, but yet Esau goes and he marries two pagan Hittite women uh, who, who basically brought grief and drama into the family. And so I don't know if you've got in-laws that bring you grief and drama or you've got uh, daughter-in-laws or son-in-laws that bring you and your family grief and drama, but that was the case for Isaac and Rebekah because these two women made their life rough. They had to walk on eggshells around them. And in ancient times, the whole family lived together in a kind of a commune sense. So this was a tight-knit family, but yet it was just like, ah, oh, these ladies and Esau and his habits uh, yet at the, all that was going on, the Bible still says Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob because he was the firstborn and he was the one that was going to inherit uh, by all natural means the property and the possession and the priesthood. And so let me say this to parents. Man, know the rivalry that ensued when one child was preferred over another. And that'll speak something right there. If you've got multiple children, to love them equally and speak God's uh, will over their life. But there was a time where these brothers had to either learn how to sell out, and they would either sell out to one or two things. Let me tell you that. In Genesis chapter 25, and verse 29, Jacob had cooked a stew. The Bible says Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, hey, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff right there, for I am famished. 
And therefore, his name was called Edom, meaning red, which is what his descendants would be known as. A hairy red guy who wanted to have this red stew, so he gets the nickname of a descendants called Edom. And you'll see that in Scripture. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. So Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. So what use is it then for the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first, swear to me, because he probably knew his brother wasn't going to keep his word. Swear to me. So Esau swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and he drank and he rose and went on his way. And thus Esau, this is very important, thus Esau despised his birthright, Scripture says. The question today for us when we're thinking about this story is, are we selling out to our calling or are we selling out to our cravings? And we have two brothers, both of them not good guys, both of them sinful guys, uh, and neither one of them really understanding the full revelation of God's will for their family. And they're in a dysfunctional relationship with their mom and their dad. But two boys here both determining what I'm going to sell out for. Jacob's bullying this thick homemade soup. Uh, and we have a, a dear lady in our church named Miss Lou, and she makes some of the best homemade soup. And we, I can think of myself wanting to taste that. Esau, though, he comes home after a long hunting trip with no preparation. And so he returns faint from hunger, but no doubt he's exaggerating because he's just not prepared. He didn't take his granola bar with him or whatever it was. And so he's exaggerating from this hunger, but he thinks so lightly of what his family's covenant with God is. He thinks so lightly of the priesthood and the future and the possession of God's will for his family that he willfully, without remorse, sells his birthright to his brother over a mere uh, cup of soup. And we can think that kind of funny today, but the real... uh, situation for all of us is is that we're all dysfunctional. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, just like these two boys. The Bible says that Esau was immoral and godless, and he only cared of the appetite of the lust of the flesh. And for us today, it kind of, they're like, well, why would you sell something so great? Man, money, power, the provision of God. Why would you sell that for some mere soup? Today, when we go into sin and we have problems in our life, and we can, heaven's no doubt looking down and saying, why would you, Christian, turn to those things of the flesh? Why, Christian, would you doubt the word of God and miss on the promises of God when you can understand there's so much greater that God has for you? We do it all the time, and we would we'll easily just look at Esau and say, my gosh, how, how did you do this, Esau? Why in the world does that make any sense? How often do we see things in our lives or in the lives of others, especially those that we love, and say, man, that just doesn't make sense. Why do you keep choosing those bad behaviors? Why do you keep choosing those bad relationships? It's because of the cravings that we have in our life that we have chosen to sell out to our cravings instead of our callings. But Jacob, on the other hand, still undeserving. He's not the rightful heir of the birthright. He's not the one who should willfully deserve it. He's not the strongest. He's not, in the world's eyes, the best. But yet Jacob decided to go for something different. He loved his father's estate, and it was something worth gaining in his eyes. So Jacob, in a sinful way, begins to play off his brother's weakness, but he goes for something better. And in in a sense, you can understand that as a sinner, Jacob becomes a seeker. And just like in this family, we see the dysfunction. We have all been hurt by someone. We've all maybe hurt someone we love. We've followed our carnal desires. We've fallen to our lusts. We've all cheated others. We've all forfeited our rights for what is most important in this life. The plan and promises of God. 
we, the Bible says clearly we're all sinners fallen short of God's standards. And even Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 says that if our appetite is, God, is our God, if we set our mind on earthly things, if our glory will be our shame, our end will be our destruction because we've become enemies of Christ. But nevertheless, like Jacob, all of us undeserving of God and His grace, He knew us and He chose us. And that is, though, if you would seek Him. Jesus says His kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field and that's worth selling all that we have for. But we have to deny ourselves and follow Him. No doubt both of these boys could have had a, a vital role in God's plan. And God, in His foreknowledge, I believe, had already foreordained that Jacob, because He knew Jacob would be a seeker, He knew Jacob would be the one who would crucify his cravings and covet the covenant of God. He knew that Esau would covet the cravings of his flesh, and God in his foreknowledge had already told his parents to let them know, I'm going to choose Jacob because Jacob will seek my face. It's not about so much as we determine that God had elected one better than the other, but we know that God chooses all people to use them for His glory, that whosoever would call upon His name, Scripture says, shall be saved. But there is the simple fact that some may be listening today. You are going to make an ultimate choice for your salvation, that one, you will either sell out to your cravings or you will sell out to your calling. I pray today you sell out to your calling and be even if you're dysfunctional, even if you have problems in your life, even if you have sin in your life, God is interested in those who are going to seek his face. So what are you selling out to today? So we've got the blessing, I'm sorry, the birthright and the brothers. Let's talk about the blessing. Genesis chapter 27, verse 1 says, Now it came about many, you know, it's years later, when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older brother, older son Esau and said to him, My son, and he said to him, Here I am. And Isaac said, Behold, now I'm old and I don't know when the day of my death will be. And now then please take your gear, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Prepare a savory dish for me such as I love, and I'll bring it to me that I may eat, and my soul may be blessed that my soul may bless you before I die. So Isaac tells his son Esau, the firstborn, hey, go get some gain for me. I'm going to do this ceremony. I'm going to give you the covenantal blessing. So to speak this blessing over someone was this contract, right? It's this last will and testament that's going to be a legally binding document before God. And ultimately, it's going to be this spiritual transfer of the promise of the covenant as the Holy Spirit moves upon the Father, okay? So we've got the birthright that's the legal property right in the priesthood of the family. But the blessing, the blessing is going to be the full covenant of Abraham. It's going to bring divine prosperity, power, and protection on that person. And it, they both go together, ultimately. But some reason, something in here... Even though God had prophesied Jacob would be the heir, and even though Esau had sold his birthright years ago, Isaac somehow now still favored Esau. He was blind, physically blind, 
but he was maybe relationally blind with that father's love. So he's gone blind in physical form, but yet there's the father's love that's causing him to be blind to maybe the prophets. Maybe he didn't know about the prophecy that Rebecca had received, but it's kind of hard to believe he didn't. And maybe he didn't know about the, the soup incident with Jacob and Esau, but again, it's still kind of hard to believe he didn't, that Jacob wouldn't talk about it. So there's something here, and we wonder, maybe Isaac had also gone uh, after his own cravings of the flesh. He had let the carnal begin to blind him spiritually as well because he was missing divine revelation, so much so that as he thought he was going to die, Scripture would tell us that he would not die for 20, probably 40 years later. So he did not have spiritual awareness as the paternal uh, priest of his family of when his death would be. That's a great warning for us specifically as fathers, as men, as leaders of the family, that we are to lead our family spiritually well and all will be well. If we are not men spiritually uh, walking with God, if we are spiritually blind, I believe the whole family walks in the dark. Men, if you are spiritually blind, your whole family will walk in the dark. But here we find Rebecca. she knows of the prophecy, she felt Esau was not worthy of the blessing. Man, he's become a thorn in her side with his behavior. He's become a thorn in her side with the the women he's married. Isaac had hurried the plan of God. He was missing on divine revelation. And so now she would try to fix it. Isn't that just like sometimes what we do? Man, uh, things don't go the way we think. And God has given us this great word, this great prophecy, and says that God will do it. But yet we want to hurry the plan of God along or we think the plan of God is broken or is unfixable, so then we begin to take it upon ourselves to, God, I'm going to fix that job on my own. God, I'm going to work out my finances on my own. God, I'm going to try to do this, my marriage, my relationships. God, I'm going to try to figure this thing out. God, I'm going to help you out a little bit. And that's what Rebecca begins to do, because if she had ultimately just trusted in God, God would be sovereign and, and work this thing out for His glory. So we have the birthright and the brothers and the blessing. And then we have the game and the goat. The game and the goat. This is where the TV talk show comes into play. The game and the goat. In Genesis 27, verse 5, let me read a little bit. It says that when Esau went to hunt the game, Rebekah had heard, overheard this. So she commands Jacob, and he, she doesn't give him a choice. She commands him. And Jacob, she said, bring her two choice goats for her to make this fake dish. And so they're going to put one over on old dad. And so Jacob questioned it, thinking, man, perhaps my father's going to, he's going to feel me. I'm a smooth-skinned man, and he, uh, Esau's hairy, and so he's going to call me a deceiver, and he's going to, instead of putting a blessing upon me, he's going to put a curse upon me. But his mom says to him, says, let your curse be upon me. Just obey my voice and go and get them. So, man, he's got to obey mom, right? And so she makes the food, and she dresses Jacob in Esau's firstborn robe, and now uh, Antiquity would tell us that perhaps there was this special white robe that the firstborn would wear, and it would be kept in a chest, uh, and, and that would have certain uh, spices and smell, uh, things that smell good to bring, keep that fresh, all right? And it would be this ceremonial robe. So maybe she put this ceremonial robe that was only ser- served for Esau on, onto Jacob. And then she begins to put lambskin, this uh, wool, uh, on his hands and on his neck to make him feel more hairy. And she makes this great dish. So Jacob, now obeying his mother, goes into his father, and he doesn't recog- Isaac doesn't recognize the voice. And he says, who are you, my son? And Jacob says to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. So there you go. He lies it right off the bat. 
And he says, I've done as you told me. Get up and, and eat of this game that you can bless me. And Isaac says to his son, well, how is it that you've gotten that deer so quickly, my son? And it's because Jacob says, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. There, another lie. And even further, he's putting God's name on something that's deceptive. What a powerful warning that sometimes we do things in our life and say, well, oh, God, bless me with that vehicle. Oh, really? Did we pray about buying that vehicle before uh, we bought it? Did God tell us to do those things? There's a lot of things we do and assume that God's blessing is upon it or we put God's name where it ought not to be. May we be fearfully, sovereignly aware, soberly aware of God's name. And so Jacob, he puts God's name on his behavior, and he's still unsure, though, man, that Isaac, uh, he draws Jacob close to him. He feels him. He feels the hair. He's like, well, maybe this is. It's the voice of my son Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So he blesses him, and he says, okay, if you're really my son Esau, come here. Jacob says, I am, that I am. And then they eat and they drink. He gives his son a kiss, and when he finally smells that robe... He believes, and he gives him this part of this covenantal blessing. Now, one thing you can think here, man, Rebecca was a good cook, because if you can make lamb chops taste like deer steak, you're doing something right in the kitchen. And uh, I like both, but, man, it's, you, it's hard to beat some deer steak. And so she's a good cook. They've been deceitful. But the sad part about all this is, you know that in our life, some things may sound right, they may feel right, they may taste right, they may even smell right, but unless you have spiritual discernment, you will be blind. Isaac did not have spiritual discernment of the time of his death over the prophecy that God had given years ago. He did not have spiritual discernment uh, over what was being deceptive to him and who he was given. And all the signs pointed that there was something wrong here. But yet here was a man who started out well in the fields, meditated with the Lord. And at the end of his life, because he had uh, satisfied the carnal cravings, because he had uh, not stood up and told his oldest son how to be a man of God and live a man's life of faith and how to crucify the cravings, now Isaac had been spiritually blinded. So Isaac blesses Jacob. And he says, God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, the abundance of grain and wine, people to serve you, nations to bow down, be master of your brother, that your mother's sons would bow to you, and cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. And he fulfills the Abrahamic blessing on Jacob. So just as Jacob leaves, Esau walks in, they discover what's going on. Isaac begins to tremble violently and shake, and Esau begins to weep bitterly and cries out for that Abrahamic blessing but yet the birthright and the blessing have gone. Parents, I want us to note the power of your words because we can't take them back. Are you blessing your children? Are you cursing your children? Because what you say in their little minds lasts forever. In this broken family, we see a family life that's like that TV talk show, the Jerry Springer, the Dr. Phil. It becomes this great game all over a goat. The parents lost sight of God's plan. They played their kids off one another. Esau went wild. Jacob became the perfect hypocrite. Warren Wisby says that his voice and his hands did not agree. 
that perfect hypocrite. And so devastating was this event that the whole family was broken. Rebecca is forced to send Jacob away, never to see him again. And for Rebecca and Jacob, they believe the ends had justified the means. But the sad part is, had this family continued to pray and trust in God's word, everything would have been different. Isn't that what sin does? It destroys, it divides, it makes us desperate for the things of this world, but yet we really end up just desperate for the things of God at the end. And this family has broken, all trying to get what they want when they want and how they want. Nobody was praying. Nobody had spiritual discernment of God's true power and plans. But there's some things we can pull out of here that are good. Let me give you three little applications to take with you today. Three applications to take with you today. What can you learn from this story? Number one is crucify your cravings. Crucify your cravings. Esau wanted the blessing without the birthright. He wanted the reward without the responsibility of the family. Hebrews twelve seventeen says that he desired to inherit that blessing, but he was rejected really because he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. Esau wanted the blessing, but he had never really wanted the birthright. He never really wanted the priesthood of the family, the responsibility. He never really wanted the sacrifice, the, the steadfastness, the loyalty to God and his plans. He wanted all the good things of God without the sacrifice. And so many preachers today, let me tell you, church, are going to preach God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to give you that man you're looking for. God wants to give you that job you're looking for. The world just doesn't know what God, what is missing on you because God has something for you. And all that may be true. That is the blessing of God. But there is a birthright that comes before it that says God has raised you up to be a priesthood of your family, that there is some states that he wants you to do there's some work to be done and all of those come together and Esau had neglected what was most important because he did not store up treasures in heaven he did not care for the spiritual and so he forfeited his blessing and the same is true today some will fall short of the grace of God because they have pursued earthly gain and Jesus said many will seek to enter but will not be able because they rejected that narrow way to get there They neglected, Hebrews says, so great a salvation. In trying to gain this world, they will have forfeited their soul, Matthew 16 says. Crucify your cravings and seek first your calling. That's the first thing to take away from a story. The second thing is that you can covet the covenant. Covet the covenant of God, the plan of God, the promise of God. Jacob, man, he failed to trust God. He failed to let God give him the promise. He took it upon himself and he was deceitful and deceivious. But yet the same time, he nevertheless desired something of God. Jacob saw the beauty of God's birthright and blessing. And there's something to be said, even out of a sinner who sees that I want to go all in after God's promises. We don't always think right. We don't always act right. We don't always feel right when we first get saved or even as we're finding that journey to find Christ. You know, we're on that journey to find Christ. And God is looking for those seekers like Jacob. And Jesus says it this way, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. That is that the, at the time of Christ, that unqualified sinner 
They were pushing past all the qualified religious by faith just to see Jesus, just, just to touch him and be near him because they believed he was something worth gaining. And it was the Canaanite woman who implored Jesus to heal her son. And she told Jesus when he had said, I'm only here for the people and the sheep of Israel. She said, but master, even the dogs feed on the crumbs from your table. In Matthew 15, it was that persistent faith, that coveting of the things of God, that that we would push past all the things of this world and say, God, I may be dysfunctional. I may not have it all together, but God, I see something in your word. I see something in your spirit. I see something in your church that I must have. Jesus said, if you'd ask and you'd seek and you knock that repetition of pursuing him, it will be open to you in Luke 9. And it's that same persistent faith that Jesus said he's coming back for when he references the widow who persistently pursued justice with a wicked judge in Luke 18, that that's what he's coming back for. And Paul even said it this way, if by any means I might attain the resurrection from the dead. You see, there are some things that are given to you as rights, but there are some times you must have a fight in you for the things of God. God is looking for a persistent faith that says, God, I'm crucifying the cravings in my life and I'm coveting the calling. I'm desiring the things of God. I am seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else, Lord, is secondary to that. Are you here and listening today and you have become settled in religiosity? You've come, become settled in the study of your word, settled in your prayer life, settled in your pursuit of spiritual gifts, and you're just satisfied where you are and maybe the appetites of the flesh like Isaac have come in, and it maybe it wasn't your intention, but you've been around people, you've been pacifying people who are calling out with their cravings and their worldly and their ideals, and you've been around the world so long that your spiritual discernment has gone blind, but yet if you would wake up today and say, God, I'm so tired of the deceit that I see around me, I'm so tired of the worldliness I see around me, God, I'm calling out to you, I want your promises, I want your covenant, God, revive me again, O Lord. Today, through Jesus Christ, even though you do not deserve it, you can fight for the blessing of God because God has chosen you by His grace. You can receive what you do not deserve today. You can lay claim to the promises of God. How is that? I'm glad you asked. If there's anything I mentioned today, listen to this. You can crucify your cravings. You should covet the covenant. But, man, you can be covered by Jesus Christ. Jacob was a sinner, but the Lord chose him for himself, Psalms 135 said. He even didn't deserve it, but God gave him an everlasting covenant. And it was by faith in this covenant that Jacob was saved. And that was a promise that God gave him that, Jacob, I'm going to give you an eternal house through the, G- through the Savior, Jesus Christ. It would come to pass many years later, but here we have this deceiver, this sinner, that God was, chose him in his grace and gave him an eternal promise. That is your story, that is my story today, because the Bible says that Jesus Christ became that true firstborn that we all needed. I needed a first, needed to be the firstborn to receive the blessing and the birthright, but I couldn't do it. I'd fallen from God's glorious standard. I'd, I was a deceiver. I was a sinner by nature. We were all under God's wrath. So we needed that firstborn right. And so Christ became a man. And the Bible says that he became the firstborn that we needed. Scripture says he's the firstborn of all creation in Colossians 1.15. That he's the firstborn from the dead in Colossians 1.18. He's the firstborn among many brethren, his church in Romans 8.29. So what does that mean? 
Christ received the birthright of his father, but he gave you his blessing. You've got to get this today, that Christ received the birthright as the firstborn, but he gave you his blessing. How did he do that? How did he do that? Get this. It means today that we don't deserve it, but Christ was scorned for us like Esau. Instead of Esau, he was not willing, but Christ willingly gave us what we did not deserve. Christ willingly gave us his robe of the firstborn, his robe of righteousness, like that robe of Esau, that that robe that was set aside for the firstborn. So that Christ, uh, the Bible says in Romans 3, 22, that we can come to God today as his son in Christ's righteousness. We have eternal life that the righteousness of God, Paul says, through faith in Jesus Christ is for all those who believe there is no distinction. So what happens is this. Christ, having the robe of the firstborn, the robe of righteousness, takes off his robe willingly. He wraps it around you, the deceiver. He takes our scorn and we take his righteousness so that we can willingly walk before and enter into the gates of the Father, wrapped before his throne. And because we have not only taken the righteousness of Christ on us, the Jacob said, or the Bible says Jacob was covered by the Lamb. And if you would apply the Lamb to your life today, that when you approach the Father, just like Isaac, the Father is blind to who you are and your sin and your deceit. And what he sees is only Jesus Christ in you, that there is no longer deception in his mind that he says this is my son in whom I'm well pleased that what you receive today is all that Jesus Christ has scripture says you will be adopted as an heir of Christ an heir with him because you've been covered by his robe of righteousness you've applied the lamb to your life and you can walk up to the father and he will receive you in his grace and bless you And what does that mean today? It means that today when you get up to heaven, Christian, when you get up to heaven, saint of God, the reward you receive is not your reward. It's the reward of Jesus Christ. The blessing you will receive today in this earth and the blessing you'll receive uh, in heaven, it's not yours. It's Jesus's reward that he's willingly given you. You don't earn heaven There's nothing in heaven you can even uh, earn. Even the Bible says that the elders up in heaven in Revelation are bowing down and giving their crowns to him. Why? Because they're his to begin with. What a great story and what good news that me, a sinner, me, one who has deceived, one who is from a broken life, who is ruined and, and had no chance at receiving the birthright or the blessing, Christ, the good firstborn has so willingly become scorn for us that he would say, if you would crucify your cravings like Jacob, if you would covet the covenant, if you would turn from being a sinner to a seeker, I would so willingly wrap you in my arms, apply my robe of righteousness around you, apply the lamb and his blood to your life, and the Father God would welcome you into his courts with thanksgiving. He would prepare a great feast for you and you would receive all the rewards as if you yourself were Jesus Christ. How marvelous, how wonderful is our Savior's love for us. What amazing grace, that sweet sound that saves a wretch like us. Where are you at today? Do you see the good news of knowing Jesus Christ? You can come to him by faith. 
Do you want the blessing of God today? Crucify your craving. Covet the covenant of God by faith. Repent of your sin. Come to God so willingly in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I pray for you today that you hear this good news. You know that God is for you and not against you. And He has so freely given you all things. Don't neglect so great a salvation today. See who you are in Jesus Christ because you are a son and a daughter of a Most High God who loves you and and is willing for you to come to Him. What wouldn't you give to earn so great a reward? Like Esau, would you hold on to that craving and just like him, would you continue today to eat that bowl of soup and Let all of this great reward pass you by. Jesus has given you eternal life. He will provide for you the riches of heaven. He will provide for you joy everlasting, love enduring. The glory of God you can see face to face. Not only will He provide for your needs here on this earth and give you a a life of peace and comfort and joy in the midst of all trial and tribulation, He will welcome you as a son and a daughter. Would you see who you can be today? Would you give up the pursuit of the things of this world? Would you turn to Christ and see His marvelous adoption, His marvelous love for you? I pray for you today to receive that in Jesus' name. To God be the glory. Amen.